thank you, Pastor Mark Anthony. Uh, for those of you who may or may not know, that happens to be my little fella. And so some people may not know that, my little fella. And it's funny when he mentioned Tom Walker, so true story. Um, Tom and them were gone out of town, and they needed somebody to clean their pool during the summer. And we live right down the street in Deerfield, and so we went out to clean the pool. And Mark was probably maybe, you know, 18 months, a year and a half old or so. He's just toddler, couldn't really talk. He's, <laughs> and so I'm sitting here, you know, vacuuming the pool. And this is when Mark took his first plunge. So he's walking, and we're just, I'm just sitting here going. And I look on the other side, and he's just walking around. And all of a sudden, I watch him, and he's going right up the side. I'm like, son, no, 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 no. Bloop. Of course, I dove in, went and got him, and he's just, hey, he woke, he come out like, hey, that was fun. I was like, that wasn't fun to me. That was, so we go a long way when he says he's poured in a lot. We've had a lot of connection. We're thankful for all of those. We've been on this journey. And so as a church, as an individual, we're all on a journey. As a family and marriage, you're on a journey. Or whether you're single, you're still on a journey. Um, we are all on that. And we've been on a journey. We started the first of this year on a journey looking at first things. It's what we started looking at. And we landed and went into, we've been on the, the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. And we've been on there the last two Sundays. Today we're going to continue that. The first Sunday, which we would, if we did the ABCs of the Sermon on the Mount, A, the first Sunday, we had everything to do with attitude. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Attitude's important. And that's what Jesus says, be attitudes. The, the attitude to be and he said, happy, and he made all these statements, eight of them, started with poor and ended up with persecution, and started in heaven and ended in heaven with both of them, and there's a progression there, and then uh, that was our first week. Last week, we looked at being salt and light. He went straight from the Beatitudes to how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be salt and light to a world that needs some flavor and needs some understanding, that needs some perseverance and preservation, and they need to understand. And that's what God said. We're the key to that as believers. Like your sphere of influence, where you work, where you live, your neighbors next door. And I'm, I'm constantly reminding us, because it's something I live out, do you know your neighbor's name? <laughs> do you know who they are? And some of you know their names too well. And when you look next door, how do you look at your neighbors next door? You know, do you look at them with this thing like, oh, my neighbor. <laughs> or do you look at your neighbor like, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's, here's my next friend. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to be friends with them. It's like, yeah, you do. You just don't know it yet. And maybe you just don't know them yet. And so we're on this journey. And so we looked at this thing of being salt and light to the people around us. This morning, we're going to go on a little bit of a deep dive in that Jesus goes straight from these two things, goes from Beatitudes to salt and light into, jumps into the Old Testament, into the Tanakh, and he begins to, which would be the Jewish scriptures. And we're going to dive right in this morning, looking at Matthew. If you got your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And we're just unpacking this. And so... Uh, beginning in verse 17, it says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, 
but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, uh, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, For I say to you that unless your righteousness, ex, righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That's some pretty heavy stuff. Let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you as we unpack this this morning, as we unfold your word and dive into it. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, it is what brings security and peace and strength and joy in our lives. I thank you. It's what centers us. It's what grounds us in you. And so, Lord, I thank you that, that, that as we study it, Lord, our lives and our minds will be enlightened. Our hearts would be enlightened. And that, Lord, we know you more and we would want to love you more through this time together. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So when we look at this thing of the Old Testament and the New Testament, I've had many people, especially being a youth pastor. Now, being a youth pastor for 26 years, I'd have young people ask me like, well, why we got to look at that? It's old. <laughs> and I said, be careful. You're going to be there one day. Easy. You're going to, you know, why do we got to look at the Old Testament? We're in the New Testament. We're in the New Covenant. And I said, what do you mean? Why do you want to look at the Old? You know, without the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we don't have a new covenant. And a lot of times, many people think that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. Matter of fact, I heard a pastor say it this time, one, this way one time because of all the rules and the rituals and the bloodshed and, and the, the disease and the famines and all that. It said, one pastor said that, hey, some people look at the, the New Testament as God our Father. And in the Old Testament, they look at him as the Godfather. You know, like, hey, he's saying taking stuff out and he's doing stuff but really it's the same God and if we when we dive into this you'll see that really what he was doing he was carving out a people for himself he was actually creating a relationship and so he was he was doing that in the Old Testament in a way that um, that had it had a way of of hey I want you to connect with me but I do have some things I want you to walk through. And it wasn't just for them. It was for everybody around them to know they belong to me and I belong to them. He told Abraham, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so he gave them um, rituals and, and rules that they followed as a result of that. And when we dive back into Matthew 7, 5, 17, and 18, it says, do, when Jesus said these statements, do not think I came to destroy the law and prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away. It's a long time, y'all. By the way, Scripture does say there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going to dive into that. We ain't got time for that this morning. But it does say that when Jesus says they'll pass away, until, until one jot and one tittle by no means passes from this law and be fulfilled. And he's talking about the Old Testament. He wasn't speaking about the New Testament wasn't written yet. And so when he says one, one jot, literally that is the smallest, um, the smallest letter of the Hebrew 
alphabet. That's what a jot is. And so when it's, it's a small one. And tittle, if you'll think of tiny and little, it's kind of like the little strokes in the Hebrew alphabet. When you look at it, there'll be a little stroke or a little pin that changes the whole, an accent that changes the whole meaning of the word. But you may miss it. And you go, well, what's that? And so when he talks about not even the slightest little pin stroke is going to go anywhere. And that's why Jesus said, this is that important to understand. And that's why he said, hey, those who teach people to follow this and to ad adhere to this, what he's saying is, hey, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this is God's way of us connecting and walking with him and being a part of his life just as much in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. And for time's sake, we're not going to come. I, I was meeting with our pastoral staff and I said, hey, we're going to break this down pretty simple because there's 39 books in the Old Testament. And for your sake and for my sake and for our sake and time's sake, we're going to break it down into three divisions to make it simple for us. Okay. So we're going to break the whole Old Testament. We're going to take in three covenants or three, three divisions of testaments in the law. And so the very first part that I want you to think of when we think about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant law, it, the number one is the ceremonial law. Everybody say ceremonial. And we understand ceremonies and we love ceremonies, especially we're talking about adventures in marriage. And many of you got pictures and you got memories of your your significant other when y'all walk down the aisle and you got pictures. You know, you look at some of the other ones, some of the old ones, like like, so when I look at some of the older marriage photos, like my parents and others, and you go, oh, cute. And you see at different ones how that, you know, where they were at. Most of them, believe it or not, most older ones, they were always in a church. Always. You, you got married in a church. My mom, a while back, we were talking about it. She goes, how come nobody gets married in the church anymore? I said, that's because we are the church, mom. <laughs> so wherever we go, we're the church. And so if I want to do it outside in this beautiful scenery or we go to some place and some destination. But, but there's a ceremony involved where you connect with your significant other, where you say, I do. And, and you say, I do. And God says, I do. And you're all connected and we're here. And, and do sign up for that. I know my wife and I, we're going to go to that one and... And, and by the way, we got a lot of work to do. I can say that from the pulpit. Y'all can say, y'all laugh, but it's the truth. Pastors work a lot. And so um, we're going to do that. But ceremonial law, it really had a, it, this is what it, it, it had to do with dressing. It had to do if you were to, if I were to break it down, it's how you dress. It's how you cut your hair. It's hygiene. It's feasts and festivals, rituals of cleansing, worship practices, and as well as other categories. It was all of that that was involved. And so it was an outward thing that people would see them and say, yep, they're Jewish. They belong to the Lord. Matter of fact, the very first one, I want to bring just a few of them. There again, I got 39 books. I ain't breaking them all out. But just a couple, the very first one, where's my men in the house? All of y'all, look here. We're we going to talk about beards and hair. <laughs> Let's be honest, that has been a problem in the church. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. Like I grow my beard just about every November. And people's like, oh, your beard. <laughs> like, what's happening? I have kids ask me, are you growing a beard? I said, no, I'm just not shaving. <laughs> That's all it is. So what happens when you don't shave. It just goes on down. And so Leviticus uh, is where a lot of the laws, the Levitica, the priests, they're given these laws. Leviticus 19.27 says this. 
Here's an example. You shall not shave around the sides of your head. All my military people, watch out. You ain't no, woo, ain't no buzz cuts. What? Kind of trim doing the fade. You can't fade up. Don't be doing that. What's wrong with you? Don't be shaving around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. So all of you that keep it trimmed nice and everything, you done messed it up. You ain't supposed to, you're supposed to let it grow, let it grow. No, I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't help it, y'all. I, <laughs> I had a, a four-year-old granddaughter. We had her birthday party. Guess what kind of party it was? That's right. Let it go. But anyhow, you're not even supposed to disfigure that. You're supposed to, hey, you let it grow. What do you, what do you and so that was one of the laws that don't do that. Matter of fact, still today, you'll see, uh, at the Wailing Wall, and you'll see um, the, the Jew, some of the Jewish men, and they'll have hats, and they'll have the Hanukkah, uh, and they'll have it going, but they'll have these little curls coming down, and what they're doing is they're not shaving, they let it grow. So they won't shave it, but sometimes they'll little curl, it doesn't say anything about curling, just don't shave. Um, also, here's one for my lady folks, I don't want to leave y'all out, and this has to do with your monthly cycle, yeah, this, this is in here, and it says in Leviticus 15, 28 through 30, it says, but if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count for herself seven days. And after that, she shall be clean. Like what? And on the eighth day, she shall take for herself two turtle doves. No partridge in a pear tree, just two turtle doves and two young pigeons and bring them to the priest to the door of the tabernacle meeting. Then the priest shall offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burn offering and the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the discharge of her uncleanness. And that's just, this was her natural cycle. And it was like, hold it. Women, y'all had to go through a lot. You had, to, you had to raise some turtle doves or you had to buy some. And it was one like, hold it. This is the law. In order to be welcomed back in, you were considered unclean. And so then the, the last one in, in Leviticus, this was another one where we had to have a guilt offering. Anybody here besides me ever felt guilty? <laughs> <laughs> something you said, something you did. And I'm not talking about this morning. I'm talking about, you know, something that happened. Well, you had to do this. And it says in Leviticus 5, 18 and 19, it says he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish, without blemish from the flock. You can't get the, the, the ugly, deformed looking one. No, you got to bring the best with your valuation as a trespass offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it. You're guilty even though you didn't know it. And it shall be forgiven him. It's a trespass or guilt offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord, whether he knew it or not. So that was the, the ceremony. And there's a lot more. It literally had to do with ritual, rules, regulations, how you relate. And so that, a lot of that. The second uh, category I want to go to, and I said there's three. The second one is, and y'all ain't going to like this one a whole lot, but you'll like it after I share with you, is the dietary law. Dietary law. <laughs> yeah, dietary laws, let's be honest, even today, Nobody likes dietary law. You know why they don't like dietary or diets? Because the first three letters are D-I-E, die. <laughs> so I'm dying to something I like. And so Jesus, when he did this, 
he was telling or the heavenly father when he talked about the dietary laws he was it was one it was to eat in order to keep people healthy and let me say to you you are what you eat whether you like it or not even though that's the old testament it's still very much applicable applicable today and so it's it's about people people being healthy but it also was to emphasize cleanliness in what we eat and how we eat. Matter of fact, I'll say it this way, that God uh, took a moment. He said, look, I want you to look at the animals you eat. And, uh, and I want you to see how they operate and what they do. And because of their digestive system and because of the way they eat, some were considered unclean. So if they had a long digestive process, matter of fact, we would know one very specifically called the cow because of how it eats and it chooses cud. Matter of fact, Leviticus 11, 1 through 3 in the dietary laws says this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. And he goes on to say, Among the animals, uh, whatever, divi- what, uh, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Like they, so cows, they'll chew the cud and they'll spit it out and they chew it up again. They, so right now on this planet... There is one particular type of beef that is grass-fed, and it is called, this, this thing is called Wagyu beef. Anybody ever heard of Wagyu beef? If you haven't, that's because it's so expensive, you just go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so true story, uh, there's a butcher out near my house named Gary Lee that I love very dearly, <laughs> Gary Lee's Meat Market. And one day during COVID, I always go down, it's literally, y'all, it's like a thrown stone. It's like literally I can see it from my driveway. And he puts this light out there that says open. And so in the evening when I get home, no matter what, there's this light open. And it's like a light that attracts me, 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 stays. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's what he does. And I told him he does that to me to torture me, especially right now when we got 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm not doing the, the, the meat products. But so I went there one day and he said, he, give me, he handed me this package and he said, hey, take this home with you. And I said, well, what is it? He said, just take it home with you. He said, by the way, by the time you get it home, it may be ready to eat. And I'm like, Gary, you know, <laughs> oh, I don't even live two-tenths of a mile from here. A tent. He said, I said, what is it? He just eat it and come back and talk to me. So I went home and I cooked this. And I'm telling y'all, I'm just telling y'all, like I got home and I, cooked, I did little fillets and I put it in there. It was so good. My wife said, what is that? And she looked at it. I said, she doesn't eat a lot of beef, but she looked at it and said, ooh, I want another. I was like, whoa, I only got a little bit, girl. Whoa, easy. <laughs> so I go back to Gary Lee's the next week, and I said, hey, Gary, man. Hey, man, I need a hit. I need a fix. Give me some of this Wagyu beef. What is wrong with you? And Gary's like, I can't get no more. I just happened to get that. They had dropped it off at his place, and since I was a regular, he said, they dropped that off to me, and he said, I know you'd like that. And I'm like, yeah, how dare you do that to me? So when I say, when it talks about there are certain animals you're supposed to eat and certain you're not. Matter of fact, uh, chapter 14, verse 8 of Deuteronomy. This is going to hurt some of you in southeast Georgia right here. (laughs) 
It says, also the swine is unclean for you. <laughs> because it is cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud. It chews anything it can get in its mouth. <laughs> it roots and it eats. And it, anybody ever been around hogs, you know, you've been out hunting, man. They will root up some, woo, they'll eat anything. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcass. Oh, my goodness, y'all. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll, we'll, we'll redeem that in just a moment. Make y'all feel a little better because some of y'all are like, what? Y'all didn't know this. And then the final one, where's all my fishermen, my, angler, my anglers? You know, you like to go fishing? He took care of that too. God knew what he was doing. This is the dietary law. And he says this, these you may eat uh, in Leviticus 11, 9, and 10. These you may eat all of that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales. Whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. Now, let me say something to you. Where, Where's all my, my fried shrimp eaters besides me? I worked on a shrimp boat for four years. <laughs> True story. Uh, where, where's all my lobsters? Y'all liking on some lobster, some crabs? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. No, 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 no. Under the dietary law, don't, don't be doing that. Only with fins and scales. Those are the only ones. And I'm like, I'm so glad that we are no longer... We are no longer bound by those two laws. So let me say to you, that's right, y'all can celebrate. So, so the ceremonial and the dietary laws, uh, they were only intended to distinguish between God's people and pagan nation and people groups. But they were also intended to point to a great need, which was the cleansing of the heart. So there was a thing about being clean and doing things well, but it really had more of a heart focus. But I will tell you, and it is true, that both the ceremonial law and the dietary law focused on that word appearance, but you are no longer under that. We are no longer bound by the dietary and ceremonial law. And you want to know why? Because we got scripture. I love what Colossians 2, 16 and 17 in the NLT, it says this. All right, y'all ready? Here it goes, all the festivals and everything. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths or festivals. It's all in there. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So all my barbecue lovers, where you at? Mm-hmm. You like some spare ribs? Watch out. You like some of that pulled pork? Watch out. There it is. Uh -huh. Where are all my bacon lovers? <laughs> How many of you glad we are no longer under that law? <laughs> Jesus. Woo. I, love, I love him more today than I ever did. <laughs> True story. It's good. So there is another one. So I told there'd be three. And here's the third one. We're going to dive into that one because this one we still are bound to it. It is still something we're to. And it's called the moral law. So we have the ceremonial law. We have the dietary law. But then we have the moral law. And moral laws, they're still binding to believers because 
They're considered to be timeless, eternal, and universal because they are based on God's character. And so he wants his character. The whole reason we study scripture is that it's not that we read scripture, it's that scripture would read us. And then in turn, we become like him because we ingest it into our hearts and spirits, and then we can live it out. And so matter of fact, when we look at that, the reason that when we look at, when we violate the moral laws, it violates what literally what Jesus, it's his honor, his character, his nature. And so for an example, one of the moral laws is God is truth, which is why he said, don't, be, don't go around telling lies. He doesn't want us to lie because it's his nature. He doesn't. He's full of truth. Being faithful, that's why God instructs us not to commit adultery. He's faithful. God's the author of life. Here we are on Sanctity of Life Sunday. So he's the author and the giver of life. And he says, I don't want you to murder. Don't commit murder. So he wants us to have these laws written on our heart. Before they were written on tablets. Now in the New Testament it says they're written on our hearts. They're written on the inside. God wants us to be forgiven because he's forgiving. God wants us to be loving because, and love others because he is loving and loves others. God is just, and that's why the Bible instructs us to, to fight for justice, social justice, for spiritual justice. Social justice is where we look at something that last week we celebrated uh, Martin Luther King, and we said that was a social injustice that had been taking place in our country, and thank goodness people stood up and said, hey, this ain't right. So we're supposed to fight, and we're still fighting today for social justice, for spiritual justice. Spiritual justice says this. Like if I feed you and I, get, and, I, and I make you feel honored and respected, you still have a heart issue. And if I, spiritual justice says, hey, I'm going to get you connected to Jesus because then you're going to be justified through faith and trust in him. And so when we look at these whole things of this, this, this heart issue, when we talk about moral laws, that's where we got to look at what this, this part of the Old Testament, these moral laws were. And this is number in, uh, in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, talking about how we still have these laws. These are the ones Jesus said. These are the ones when he said they're not passing away. Like the ceremonial and the dietary laws, that is not something we observe. But the moral laws, we still will continue. That's what it says in Romans 7, 7. There are in the three purposes of the, test, the Old Testament, here's three main things real quickly. Number one, it was to explain what sin is. So let me, let me help y'all with this one. So when you're driving down the road and there's these signs that are on the side of the road, they're little squares. I don't hardly ever see them for some reason. I don't know. I, I think I just block them out. But, but they'll have this thing like speed limit. <laughs> it's like 45 miles an hour. And I'm thinking... 55, 60, maybe? No, I'm, I'm reading. It says 70. I'm like, okay, 83, 85. No, it's a speed limit, and it's set there, and it said, hey, this is the limit. This is what you're supposed to go. And so when we think about this whole thing of this, 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 hey, I'm supposed to follow this law, I wouldn't know what, a, I wouldn't know what speeding was if it wasn't for that sign. That's why I'm going to go move over to Europe and get on the Audubon and go, no, I'm only kidding. It, it ain't worth all that. 
It's where, where you can go as fast as you want. It, 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 it defines for us what they are. And that's what the old Romans 7, 7 says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So I can't covet what other people have. Let's be honest. Everybody's guilty. Let's be honest. You look around you and somebody gets something, they pull up next door. They've had fun with commercials on that. That When they're trying to sell cars, you know, you come home with your car and then they show up with their fans like, whoa. And you go, well, mine don't look so good anymore. Look, look what they just pulled up in their driveway with. Or it can happen with anything. It can happen with the lawns. All my lawn people, you know, it's got to be green and clipped and Lord willing, my wife said, one day I'm going to get there and give her the most beautiful yard she's ever wanted because she works hard to make that happen. But you, you look at covenants. It can, be, it can happen in many ways and all the others. So it, so it is to show us our purpose. Matter of fact, in this chapter, Jesus begins to break that down. In Matthew 5.21, he starts going into the law. And he, matter of fact, he says it this way. You have heard that it was said... In Matthew 5, 21 through 26, you have heard it said that, uh, said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. And then Jesus says, hey, let me, let me explain that for you, give you that understanding. He says this, but I say to you, and when he says that, when he says, you've heard it said, what he's saying is, and it's like many of us studying the Bible, so we're all on a journey, and many of us have understanding. And so Jesus was making reference to the scribes and Pharisees, which we'll get to in just a minute, who had said you have to do this, 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 and this in order to follow it. And so what, what they were saying is following, quote, the letter of the law, and there's no way they could. And he said, you've heard it said. So what he's saying is you've heard an interpretation of an interpretation of an interpretation of an interpretation of what this means. But then he goes on to say, but I say to you. Now, the word is declaring the word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. He says, but I say to you that whoever is, watch out, y'all. You might want to stick your toes in real quick because it might get stomped a little. Whoever, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Rock, well, it's got to get that guttural sound. Rock. And it literally means, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, and that's literally, you fool, you idiot. It goes on to say, you fool, you shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Not you have against you. Somebody's got something against you. Like, let's be honest. We know people that have stuff against us. You know how you know? Because they won't look at you. <laughs> you. You go up to them and say, hey, and like, mm, I didn't see you. <laughs> you. You do that. Woo, let me get over here, especially in a crowd. They can, you can avoid. It's called avoidance. And we do it as husband and wife sometimes. I ain't talking to you. <laughs> if you know you have ought against, if your brother has ought against you, you go to them is what he says. And he says, go, um, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then you come and offer your gift. 
Agree with your adversary quickly. Hold it. Agree with my adversary? No. You know what? I, when I read this, and this is how my mind works. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to believe this. This is what happened. He wants me to agree with the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm like, I am not agreeing with my adversary. It is not happening, Jesus. I'm still working on that. Y'all got to pray for me. It's like, agree with your adversary. It's like, what? He wants me to agree with that. No. While you are way on your way with him, at least your adversary delivers you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. Or surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there. You paid. He went on to say, We're not going to turn there this morning, but a little later he even talked about marriage. You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, and he went on to this, he said, But I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust after, you're guilty of adultery. Now, truth moment any man in here can say he's never looked at a woman and lusted after ever. Good. Everybody put your hand down, just like the perfect couples. <laughs> this is where you got to say, yeah, we've all broken that. And you got to look at where Jesus says, hey, it's a heart issue. It's not just something we follow with our, with our mind and understanding. So which is the second part. The first part is it, 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 it explains what sin is. The second part of the law is it exposes sin in us. And that's what people don't like. Like, I don't want, nobody likes to know when they're wrong. I like to say it this way. We're our best lawyers and we're our harshest judge. Like we can reason ourselves just about out of anything. But when it comes down, then we're the worst. We get harsh on ourselves. You stupid, you, 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 you'll literally sit there and call yourself all kind of ugly name. Anybody here besides me ever did that? Y'all probably don't. Y'all are perfect. Y'all don't ever do that. But I'm just telling you, we, we got to be careful. This is what it exposes this in us. Matter of fact, Romans 3.20 says it this way. Therefore, by your deeds of the law, uh, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. So these things that we understand with the moral law, all they do is expose my inability to keep them. My inability to follow them. And then the third and final thing that it does, that the law does, it expresses our need for a Savior. It expresses our need for a Savior. So when I come to the place where I can't do this, and this is where our challenge, I'm, I'm winding this down, this is what our challenge is. When Jesus said in Matthew 5, 20, he said this, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you got to think the people listening to him on that day on the hillside, his disciples and the 100 or 200 people gathered around, when they heard him say that, you got to think, they were thinking, hold it, they're the holiest people we know. Like, they're the ones that keep the law. They're the ones that do the best. It's kind of like y'all do with pastors. I'm going to tell y'all, y'all got to stop. The pastor, I'm like, a pastor. So I am Mark Linton, a sinner saved by grace who's been called to pastor is the best way I know how to put that. 
I am not like, hey, and that's why, so we got a celebrate recovery group here. When I go in, they are not allowed to use pastor when I walk in there. Because as soon as you say pastor, people go, oh, oh, oh. The same thing that the, the people listening that day would have been, scribes and our righteousness got to exceed that. They're the most righteous people we know. This is where we get into the great exchange, y'all. So I love what Galatians 3, 23 and 20 through 25 says. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor. It was our, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer are under that tutor, under that law. And this is what happens, y'all. True story as we, we wind this thing down. Because if you don't get this, what will happen is you'll get on the hamster wheel of good works. You'll get on the hamster wheel of good works. And you'll start thinking, oh, I messed up. I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do, oh, I'll go do some more. It's kind of like when you were young and you, you were, you know, a teenager and all. What happens is you always wonder why your parents knew you messed up. And it's because you decided on your own gracious efforts you wanted to take out the trash all of a sudden. Or they walk in, your mom walks in, and your room's all clean. Like, I just felt like I wanted to do this. I just wanted to. <laughs> they wonder, what is wrong with you? What have you just done? Or are you volunteer? I, I just want to go cut the grass for you, Dad. I love you. <laughs> He's like, all right, where's my son? What happened? What have you done? Because you, you'll try, and we, all of us, will try to do good things to make up for the things we've done wrong. And that's what the law says. That's why Jesus said it's not going anywhere. Because if it goes away, we'll never see our need for Jesus. We'll never see our need for a Savior. We'll never see our need to be cleansed. That's what I love what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It says that for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Why? So that we could be made right with God through what Jesus did. Man, is the, is the Old Testament still relevant? Very much. That moral law. Yeah, the dietary. Man, y'all go eat barbecue after this. Go enjoy that. I can name some good places if you don't know some. <laughs> I can't right now. I'm not going to go eat with you. I guess I could go eat a salad. But the ceremonial law. Look, you don't, this rituals and stuff. And you try to, like, if I follow this, I do this. And, okay, now I'm right. The only problem was is inside. You got this thing called a conscience. And it messes with you. And let me break this real quick. Conscience. Some people think, man, they, I, I got a guilty conscience. <laughs> your conscience is just your recorder. <laughs> like it records everything you've done and it records everything that's been done to you. It's called your con. So any, anytime you see the word con, it means with. C-O-N. Contempt, you name it. Anywhere you go to, con means with. Science. Con science, conscience is knowledge. So we're with knowledge of everything that's ever been done and everything that's been done to everything we've ever done and anything that's been done to us. And they mess with our conscience. We can't get away from it. We can't get under it. We can't get around it. And we don't have to. Jesus came to cleanse our conscience. 
from dead works that we've ever done or that have been done to us. He cleanses our conscience from dead works, according to Hebrews 9, so that we can serve the living God. And that's why love what Matthew 18, 3 says. Jesus is talking. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. And what do little children do? They trust. All my mom and dad's with the little ones, man. They trust you explicitly. Whatever my, da- my daddy says, my mama says, whatever mom and dad, man, they trust you. And they lean on you and they just rely whole 100%. If we go into McDonald's to get that Happy Meal, it's going to be because they let me. I trust they're going to love me enough. We're going to go Chick-fil-A. We're going to do something. I'm trusting y'all going to take me. I love you. I trust. They put their whole trust in you. And it's the same thing Jesus is asking for us. And I'll close with this scripture. Dealing with this thing of conscience. I just trust you to do what you say you'll do. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this in verses 8 and 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He goes on to say, I no longer count on my own righteousness. My works, my good deeds. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. And Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law and he tried to, he, he enforced, matter of fact, he was going to kill Christians because they were messing it up. He said, I, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, trust in him, reliance totally upon what Jesus did. And I just want to say to us this morning, this is a heart issue. And ask yourself this morning, where's your trust factor at? Where's your trust level? Are you still trusting on your ability to make yourself right? You still trusting in, hey, I can make, I can do this. I got to do some more good stuff and I'll get there. It's like in the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I'm good, I'm good. I'm evil, I'm evil. It's, it's, no, it's Jesus. And I'll just challenge you this morning, those in this auditorium, those watching online, man, if you'll allow Jesus to come and cleanse and to wash continually. It's not a one-time thing, it's a continual thing because we get, get bombarded by things all the time. We're continually getting drilled with stuff that try to make us think less of ourselves and less of God and more of those problems. And I want us to take just a moment. I want you to do some self-searching, some soul-searching. What's number one? I know Tom, when he was talking about marriage, what's, number, what's the number one relationship? can't be a great husband without Jesus and even then I still have to work hard because of the flesh but I can't offer forgiveness if I haven't been forgiven I can't offer grace if I haven't experienced the grace of God 
I can't give something I don't have. And at different times we get locked into that. And so have you been relying on how good you are? Or have you been leaning into how good God is? That he knew we were going to have this problem. He knew we were going to mess it up. And he said, hey, I got you. That's what the New Testament says. God in the New Testament says, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I've got it. I, my son took care of it. So it's, they're going to sing this song. And I want you to take just a moment, if you would, to do some evaluation. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you for just a moment.